What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special show on today, where we're dedicating the whole entire show to an exclusive interview with Ashley Jones, CEO and creative director of the HBCU apparel line Tones of Melanin. Ashley will be a featured entrepreneur on the season 14 finale of Shark Tank on ABC, representing for the HBCU community. Ashley's appearance in front of the Sharks follows Howard alumna Dr. Bobby Peterson's appearance, where she struck a deal with Barbara Corcoran that was worth $150,000 for 20% equity in the Big Mouth Toothbrush brand and $2 for every unit sold now we have to watch and see if ashley brings home a deal for tones of melanin and that episode if you're listening on friday may the 19th it comes on tonight on abc at 8 7 central if it's not may 19th when you're listening make sure to go to hulu and check it out because i have a good feeling that we're gonna get some good news from ashley as she represents the hbc community and continues to build her business tones of melanin so we had the amazing opportunity to speak with Ashley about how she started Tones of Melanin, her Shark Tank experience, as well as some insight into her business and the unique niche she fills in the HBCU community. Check it out. HBCU. They know just we are. Post Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for a special interview on today. Man, listen, we're big time out here. TV stars in the building. We have Ashley Jones, the CEO and creative director of Tones of Melanin that will be featured on Shark Tank on May the 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Listen, y'all need to check it out. If y'all don't see it on May the 19th, go on Hulu. We're up with it. How you doing today, Ashley? I'm doing amazing. How are you? Man, I'm amazing. Listen, I, I had to cancel YouTube TV because it started getting too expensive, and I got Sling now. I got to figure out a way to get ABC now because I don't got ABC right now on Sling. Yeah, Hulu, Hulu, they probably, you know, they uh, normally get the episodes right after, so Hulu most definitely. I got YouTube too, YouTube TV. I love it. But yes, most definitely. It'll be on, and I believe it also be on the ABC website as well. Hey, listen, we're going to check it out. We got to support because the HBCU alumni are on Shark Tank Heavy. We had Dr. Bobby Peterson that was on the March 3rd episode, and she got a deal with Barbara Corcoran. So I know you already have filmed it, but we're hoping you get the deal. We out here hoping and praying. We shall see. We shall see. Tune in. We love to see it. Cliffhangers. We love to see it. So let's just really get into the interview before we talk about Shark Tank. So tell us about Tones of Melanin for folks that don't know. Tones of Melanin, we're an HBCU advocacy brand, but we put all our focus into clothing because that's how we get you in. Uh, we believe that when people wear HBCU gear, you're pretty much like the walking billboard for that institution. Um, I believe that every black, brown, uh, girl and boy should go to HBCU. I feel like it's made for us. I believe that for us to advance, that I believe that HBCUs prepare us the best for that in the workplace. I totally agree. So tell us about how you started Tones of Melanin. 
So I'm a graphic designer by trade. Taught myself at 14 years old. I used to do MySpace pages back in the day. So I did MySpace pages with Landon. We used to do flyers. And then once I graduated high school, I ended up going to North State University and I started a clothing line. I'm like, I can, you know, the designs that I'm making on flyers, I can put it on apparel. So I decided to start a clothing line. It was called Rising Run. I had it for like a year and a half too long. It was it did end badly. I just decided, you know, it wasn't, I was over it. From there, right after that, I actually crossed Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And my big sister was like, hey, I remember you was doing those t-shirts. Like, what's, what's going on? Like, you should do some stuff, some Greek stuff. And as a crossing gift, my uncle bought me a heat press, which is like completely left field. People get paddles, t-shirts. He bought me a heat press. He knew. He was like, yeah, we're going to make some money out of this. You know, you can make some money out of this. So I ended up getting a heat press. And I started um, a Greek clothing line called BGB Greek Gift. It was really big in the Greek world, and I loved it, but, you know, the target market got younger and younger and younger, and I was producing premium items, but, you know, with a younger customer, they try to pay that price. But from that, I started, you know, dripping in and bringing in NSU stuff, and I seen that people were liking it. I was like, all right, and I should like it, and then I had someone to reach out. They're like, well, you didn't know the state. Can you do Southern? And I ended up doing, like, a Southern homecoming, like, I think it was, like, class of 2009. It was, like, the reunion I did there, jerseys. I was like, all right, well, I can do this for more schools. So I ended up adding more and more schools, and I was like, I need to divide this. This can't go under BBB Greek gifts because people are going to think it's just Greek stuff, and it's not. So I was like, I got to come up with a name. And my little sister was like, I was like, I need something to represent, like, the black community, but, like, it ain't just saying it. Um, she's like, what about Tones of Melanin? So my little sister gave me the name Tones of Melanin. And it started from there. I started just doing schools randomly, and I did it all the wrong way. I didn't have any licenses for, like, a little while. I was like, man, I applied. They didn't, I didn't hear anything back, so I kept doing it. I got popped, did it wrong, got in trouble, but I did pay the fee, and I came back. I did it the right way. I have my license now, I want to say, for maybe 40 different institutions. Anybody that we don't have is pretty much because they don't have that system in place for life, but... That's how we, we got here. I love to hear. Listen, this is a made-for-TV story. This is why you're on TV. This is a made-for-TV story. We fall down, but we get up, and then now we real up. You feel me? So, like, I really love how you switched the branding. You went from the Greek branding to, to Tones of Melanin, and I think that's important because I think a business name and a brand, it invokes energy. And I think that Tones of Melanin, you know, gives a different energy that really speaks to the HBCU community. So, like, how do you come up with the designs for it? Because you said you do graphic design design like how do you come up with the designs i really love the 90s so i use a lot of 90s stuff for inspiration and i try to be like innovative with uh what we do so everybody knows like the satin jacket that is like everybody knows like we've seen it you'll see it in M mlb nba but i decided i was like hmm everybody's doing a, a, a satin what if i made mine reversible so that's like our our key item we have a reversible satin jacket and basically you get two jackets for the price of one so you can flip it inside out you can be at one one event and then switch it up you got a whole nother outfit so i just tried to add innovative things to to past fashion items and try to put my own little swirl on it to make it me so let's talk about licensing because you said a lot of interesting things in the story because you say you got in trouble then also i did research and i saw a video that you did where you had the board out and you broke down the whole entire tree of licensing i saw the whole entire thing so it seems like a very tedious process so briefly walk us through for the radio audience like how licensing for this type of company goes okay so say for instance i'm gonna make a book institution Orange University, I want to sell Orange University stuff. So I will apply. Um, there's a third-party company for majority of the schools um, that pretty much handles everything. So I'll say, hey, I want to sell Orange University stuff. 
Um, and then I'll say, well, I want to sell it on my website. I want to sell it in department stores. I want to sell it to the actual store. I want to be able to sell it through magazine. Like I have to go through every channel. And then I'll say, well, I want to sell t-shirts for orange. I want to sell socks, book bags, t-shirts. So that's another part of the application. And then I'll get approved. So say for instance, orange versus like, congratulations. Yes, you can. From there, they'll say, well, you can have our license, but I need some money up. So they can say, well, I need five hundred dollars up front. I need a thousand. You know what? I don't need any money up front. But they, on top of that, so you pay that money up front if they have that, and they'll tell you, well, for every item you sell, I need this in commission. So Orange University can say, well, I need ten percent commission off of every item you sell. So if I say I have a pair of socks, right, and it's for ten dollars, I have to give them ten percent of that. So for every item that I sell, it goes back to that institution, and they decide what they want to do with the money. But every single item has to be approved. So I can say I have from Orange University, I have a pair of white socks that has to get approved, a pair of orange socks that has to get approved, a pair of black socks that has to get approved. I want a T-shirt, same exact thing. So it's it's a lot of like it's a long process of getting designs approved. So that's kind of how everything is situated once you know you have your license. And every time I come up with a T-shirt design or any design period, I send it to them. I wait. It's up to them on how long this all takes. So I can apply for Orange University right now in May, but I might not hear anything back until. August. So I'm saying, yeah, you can sell it. And then say August 1st, I give them the design. It can take them a week. It can take them a day. It can take a month. It's up to their discretion and whoever's in that position and how fast they're approving things. So a lot of things, a lot of times I'm kind of at the mercy of that potential, like that, that university. That seems like an incredibly tedious process. And in the video, you talked about CLC, which is the collegiate licensing company, and they have the rights to, I think, up to 40 HBCUs, including Fort Valley and Norfolk. Yeah, and they actually represent more than just HBCUs. They pretty much kind of got it locked for like almost any major college you can think of. So they're the company that serves the middle part of for us to communicate to the school and the school to, to communicate through us. They're just like the buffer between the two. They try to speed up the process and have it in one central location so I don't have to directly contact Fort Valley. I don't have to directly contact the state. I can just do it all through this one kind of platform. And then if you do directly contact the school, they'll say, go here. Like, they'll be quick to say, no, go here. Nine, nine times out of ten, they will, unless you already, like, kind of have that rapport and you have that relationship with them. They're still going to, you have to go through their point blank period. So they're going to direct you there. But if you have a question about a design, nine times out of ten, you can contact the school. Like, well, why didn't this get approved? Like, what can I change to get this approved? So I think that's important. So like what warrants an approval or a denial? Because that was the part that was really interesting to me. Like yeah, you had a situation where like you designed something for Jackson State and it's like a jacket, the Jackson made jacket. But then you go to Fort Valley or you go to Norfolk and say, hey, I want to make this. And they're like, no, nah, we don't like it. But it's something over here. Do, do you deal with that? Or what warrants an approval and a denial? It's basically personal preference on the school and their branding guidelines. Like a lot of certain schools don't like, they want you to have like pretty kind of like pencil style fonts. They want it to be kind of cut and dry. I'm like, well, that's not, that doesn't sell. Like, you know, the Times New Roman, that doesn't sell. Like we gotta add a little flavor. Like that's our culture. Like so I try, that's nothing. I try to put our culture into our design. Like you're not gonna go to, to, to FAMU and see the same thing that you see at uh, Florida State if I was to design it. You're gonna see a difference because it's a different population and it's different things that they want. But it's, it's all on personal preference. I, it can even go down to color. They can say, well, green is in our color guide, but you can't have more than 10% of this shirt be green. So it's it's really, it's all up to the institution and how they want to regulate things and with how, like I said, how, how they want to have it 
man, we need younger people to like really step up in those positions and start approving their designs. Because if you had folks that were younger in there, like the apparel for the school would be so dripped out because like we see it based on our eyes. Like we're, we're younger and we know what's fashionable based on what's out now. When I was hearing that process and hearing what you're saying now, I think that's a lot of what's going on is that you have older gatekeepers that's like, no, we're not going to do it like that because traditionally we've done it like this. This is how it's normally looked. So I think that that's really key, but you've been making it happen as far as with the designs and the way that you shape the designs. I have a lot of favorite designs from you and clothing I'm trying to get, but I gotta ask you about this because we're in a volatile economy right now so what issues have you faced building an online based business pricing of course trying to be sensitive to the market but at the same time the cost of everything is going up uh, we get stuff imported from overseas depends on how we ship stuff like for instance 10 boxes can cost through air a thousand dollars but through seed those 10 boxes cost you know maybe 50 dollars but it's how long i have to wait for that product but i do pride ourselves in having price points to hit everybody so we have t-shirts that range from 19 to 25 dollars and then we have luxury items like our reversible that can be anywhere between 140 and 165. we hope to kind of meet you where you are so we try to give a little bit of price points for everybody to just make it easier so we hope that you know maybe we get you on a 20 dollar product and you see the quality of that and maybe that inspires you that 160 jacket that that actually is worth it i see the product you know here so that's our goal when we're doing pricing because we know it's freshmen out here that can't afford it but we know the alumni they might have they can spend Six, seven hundred dollars just from they'll go to homecoming and drop six, seven hundred dollars just for apparel. <laughs> now, listen, there's some alumni that can't afford it either. I'm not gonna hold you. <laughs> some alumni. <laughs> oh, the old heads, the old heads. Like, yeah, the old heads, <laughs> like, like, like the ones that's already established with the millions. Because yeah. some of the young alumni is like, we trying to depict, do we want the tones? Now, do we want food? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, it gets tricky. So, I love that you have like the different price points because it does get very tricky out here when it comes to getting HPC repair because it's so high priced. But I think within a business, you have to price your stuff the right way to make sure you get a profit. And then we also have, like, we have Karna, we have, like, all of the, the payment plan ones, we have those as well to help with that so that, hey, you can break it down to how you need to break it down. And floor payments and whatever it is, we, we try to meet everybody where they're at. We, do, we try our best. So listen, when you're trying to grow a business, everything normally falls on you. And I know that's something that I've had to deal with in growing HBC Pulse. But, you know, as you expand, you have to build out a team. And I see you have an amazing staff that works with you. When did you know it was time for you to hire a staff to help expand Tones of Melanin? So I have a two-year-old. Um, I was pregnant. And I was like, I cannot do this on my own. Like, physically, I couldn't. So I started adding people slowly but surely. Um, we got the department store from um, the department store order from Belt. And I was like, it's no way possible that I can handle this or just one other person. I was like, we got to start, you know, getting people in slowly but surely. So it's based off of kind of like demand as well. Like, I know that I who wants I don't want to work 20 hour days. I don't like I'm very strong. Like unless it's vending, we're not working on the weekends. I believe in you know work life balance and all my employees the same thing. I'm not trying to keep you here all night. I'm not trying to keep you here on the weekend. So I just you know I try to to, to divide it up the best I can. I love that. So listen, I did an interview with Angie Wandu, and it really is the template for how I do business interviews. And one of the things that stuck out to me that really inspired me back in 2021 is that she talked about building a team and, and bringing on your first player. And for her, 
her first player, as she called it, was someone that could make her money. Then she brought in someone that can build content to make the page valuable and bring in an audience and sell advertisers to. And, you know, HBCU Pulse in the shade room, we're media businesses. So oftentimes we don't have products that we're selling. But Tones of Melanin, y'all out here, y'all y'all get the products, y'all are moving them, y'all are making money. So like, who are the first couple of people that you hired to make sure that the business was moving effectively? to help with orders that was number one because i can't make money or we can't make money if my if I, my hands are in it i can't be on the floor at all times like i'm pressing shirts i'm counting like i i step in when need be but if that's what i'm doing every day that's number, my number one task we're gonna hit a glass ceiling real hard because i can't do anything else so making sure i have somebody to actually get orders out and then also operations operations uh, manager as well to figure out where our bottlenecks are or we need more staffing here when do we need this? What are our seasons? So things like that. Those are the, the main two things that I, that was the first two hires that I had was somebody to help with orders and then someone to make sure when departments where orders come in, what's the what do we have to do? How do we need to put that system into place so that it's like my biggest thing is I never wanted for when we had department store orders, I didn't want it to cause us to be late on customer orders, like our direct customers. So I, I divided the two so that the two don't clash. Like it's never gonna be a point in time, hopefully, where stuff isn't going out because we have this big order coming in. So those were the two main parts for us. Delegation is key. And I think that's something that as entrepreneurs, we often don't understand because, you know, the business is our baby and we want to see it succeed. So sometimes we're like, only I can make this succeed. Only I have the formula. And I think like for entrepreneurs like you and others that have really made it and that are successful, it takes you delegating. It takes you building that team to make it happen. So I, I think that's brilliant. Hopefully a lot of entrepreneurs are listening because you can't do it yourself. You know, you see, you see it in basketball. LeBron can't do it himself. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to build a team to help you. Exactly. You can be the best of the best of the best, but you're going to lack in one area. You, you can't be a master of everything. So finding people that also where you lack somebody that can pick up in areas that you're just like, no one wants to say, this ain't me. I can't do it. Like this is not my area of expertise. I need somebody else to get in because I'm losing money trying to figure it out. Like I'm spending X amount of hours trying to figure out why A plus B will see when I can be like, hey, you already know how to do this formula. Just go ahead and plug it in how you know how to do it. Let's talk about just the layout of the HBCU apparel industry, because there are a lot of competitors, right? And really for me, you know, the, the three that I really look at that like y'all are at the top of the game is Tones of Melanin, Support Black Colleges, and College Lux. You know, like y'all are the ones to me that, that, that really run the game and I see everyone wearing the apparel from you all. So how do you differentiate Tones of Melanin from the other brands in the HBCU apparel space? I think it's, um I'm the designer. So it's coming from my head to whatever I want. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, everybody's doing their own thing. I feel like it's enough money for all of us to be successful. It's not a comp we're not competing. We are not each other's competition. Our competition is Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, Champion. I'm not competing against them. Like we're here together. We all have the same issues, and we're still trying to figure it out. Nike and them, they the ones that. Or how about you remember when Polo dropped the um release with um for the Morehouse film? And I'm like, this is not it. And they charge six hundred dollars for a T-shirt. I'm just like how like those are our competitors like that's where we aspire to be so they're not my competition it's nike and them figuring out how they like literally they can drop something and sell out in a matter of minutes or seconds and it's not even up to par like they can they're not even on our level the nike designs they're not coming at where we at i feel like i feel like we're we're dropping stuff that's better than nike but they have the name so building our name up to be those household nike three box champions um adidas so i think i think that's the biggest thing thanks true to your values and what you when you started this vision, when you started this brand, what was your vision? What was your goal? 
when you realize what your mission statement is, none of that, uh, that don't matter. If you're out here doing what you said that you wanted to do, that's the most important thing. Numbers don't matter. If you if your goal is, I want to get a little girl or boy into to, to an HBC by seeing my t-shirt, let that be your the thing that's in the back of your head every day. That's going to be your driving force from when seasons are bad and when seasons are good. And I love that. And I heard in your video, like you did a video where it's like a, a general introduction into Tones of Melanin. And you said at the end of the video, you said that you want to be like Nike. You want to be the Nike of the HBCU community. And you said something very key is that goes to branding because Nike has been around for so long. They have all these influencers and athletes. And even when they get into the HBCU space, they have yard runners and they're getting HBCU influencers to endorse those products and wear those products, even design those products. But it goes a lot to branding. So one thing I always say when it comes to the HBCU space is that the media space is hard because we have a lot of content to work with with TikTok and the students are creating content and we create our own content, but the money is often hard to come by because the whole entire notion of a business is you have to build something that makes money. And with media, you're selling partnerships, you're selling advertising, you're partnering with businesses. But like, I'm like, oh man, if I was like Tones of Melanin, we'd be making a million dollars. But the social media piece is important and you're almost a part of the media space because you're sharing TikToks, you're sharing news. So I consider Tones Melanin a part of the media space. So to you, how important is social media to the brand of Tones of Melanin? It's our everyday voice. Like that is, that's how we tell our story when we can't physically do it. Our social media should tell the story to a new customer. They should know when they get on our website what our core vision is, what our mission is. And of course you can add, you know, the funnies here, but we want to be that haven for all things HBCU. Like, yes, we do clothes, but clothes is just like, you know, how they used to say, clothes is just the front. We just trying to get you in. Like, and our whole goal is just to, to be the advocate for HBCU through social media. So, like, one thing I, I always say, we will never put out bad news about HBCU. That is not our goal. We we do not use our platform for that. If there's something wrong going on, it's enough people that's going to talk bad about it. We're not going to be that. We're going to give you the highlights of everything that's going on with HBCU because we're going to get enough bad. No, I totally understand that. And and oftentimes, like, even when things are going bad, you have to share information that can help people. You know, it's hard because you have this responsibility, you know, when you're in this space to make sure that you're not contributing to the bad image of HBCU. So I totally get that. And especially with us being a news outlet, you have to be really sensitive in what you're saying, how you're saying, how you're portraying HBCUs. And a lot of folks that are outside the space don't understand that because we have to have a due diligence because if we put out something that is negative, it's going to come down tenfold, you know? So I think that a lot of people don't understand that. But to get back to the social media point, like one thing I learned about business a while ago is that you have to build a community, especially when you have a product-based business. And I think for HBCU apparel companies, it's brilliant because the culture that you're building amongst the customers is HBCU culture. So like, I don't think people understand is about the sales funnel. You gotta take folks through the funnel and then take them through there and then they're gonna be you know customers that buy everything from you. So how have you been building upon that funnel using the community of HBCUs and your social media to really build that customer base. If I can get you to follow us, I can get you to buy. If I can get you, or if I can get you on our site, I can get you to buy. So the main thing is getting you on the site. Whatever it takes to get you on the site, just to like, if it's a funny video, if it's news, my goal is to get you to become a follower. Because I believe once I have you, I have you. I'm not gonna you ain't gonna you ain't gonna leave. It's nice over here. So um, that's my big thing. And I use all like I, like you said, social media. I use the funnies. I use news. I use whatever is out there to get you to come in. 
And then lastly, like I, I don't want it our our social media. We have we tried different techniques when it comes to social media. We see what works best is it's not we're we're in a weird space. You have the Nike who can post product all day and only product. That's all you're gonna see. We we tried that. Now we're going back into like let's give you some funny, let's give you some news because I don't want you to come on our our platform and think we're just always trying to sell you something. Our goal is not that. Our goal is not to sell, sell, sell. Our goal is to give you information and to get you to know what's going on within the world. And then if you want to buy something on top of that, that is amazing. You know, that's true. And mate, like we said about the Nike thing is so true because they can just post a bunch of products. People are like, oh, this is so fire. I'm gonna go get it. Like, and it's like, we can't do that because we're gonna get 20 likes. Like, you're not gonna see it. We're gonna be broke if we do that. We gotta be inventive. So, you know, you talked about how your clothing line is in department stores like Belk and Nordstrom and Macy's. And then it's in college bookstores around the nation. Because like I said, I watched the video and you talked about how you started with, with smaller HBCUs such as St. Augustine teams you know and i think that that's key to build upon that you had a partnership with Voorhees college like, I, I think that that's important to build upon that base and then grow out and also represent hbcus that aren't typically represented so like you said you hired someone to deal with the department order so it seems like this is a very important part of the business so what was the process like for you to make it happen to get the product into stores such as that so we got our license in March and it's crazy because we, that was getting into department stores was never a goal. That was not even, that wasn't on the vision board. That was not in my mind. They approached us, the department store contacted us and said, Hey, we're launching a new kind of like a black owned uh, sectional part of our store. And, and within that, we want to highlight HBCUs, a customer. This is why it's very important to treat your customers like with respect. This is why your social media has to be strong because a customer worked for Belt and actually told them we need to have them. If I never would have had that person as a customer, we would have never, we probably would have never even been across their, their radar. But Belk approached us, the um, vice president of planning, shot her shot in the DM. She's like, hey, I'm the vice president of planning. We would love to have you in Belk department stores. I'm like, this ain't real. I don't believe this. Like, you know, you get the messages like, I, you know, I'm like, this is a scam. I said, all right, send me an email. So she sent, sent me an email and at the end it said at Belk.com. I said, oh, this is real. So she pretty much, we had several meetings back to back, just telling them, she kind of gave, uh, gave me the floor of how, uh, what their vision was with the belt and what they hope to achieve with it. And then she was like, you know, send me a catalog and things like that. So we went back and forth for maybe like five or six months. And then I finally got the order. And with that, people don't understand that, yes, you know, a department store could say, I'm just going to throw a number. A department store could say, hey, I want like $10 million worth of your product. That is on you to pay for. Like you have to fund that. You have to get it made, however long that takes. And then even once it's done getting made, you have to send it to them. You're still not being paid. So they can say, well, it got delivered to us. We'll pay you in 60 days from when it got delivered. So a lot of times, like, I actually, I actually, I just went to a business advisor. We actually tracked down, you know, how long does it take for us to get paid? And a lot of times it takes us 34 to 37 weeks from when we get an order, from when we send it out for us to get paid. So people like, you know, they're like, I'm making all this money and this. And I'm like, by the time you come in, another one going out. So it's one, but we figured out a way to break that cycle. So yeah, the department store, so we don't shot their shot at us. And then after that, we kind of learned the system. And once you get into one store, it's really easy to attract others. So then we shot our shot with, um, I think it was six sporting goods. So it was kind of a mutual thing. Like they were looking for us and we were looking for them. And we, we linked with that. Um, Fanatics, they wanted us. Um, we made that thing happen. And then Follette, I shot my shot with. And they're the ones who over, I want to say they're over maybe 24 uh, HTC bookstores. So 
once you kind of learn the system, it's kind of easy to plug and play into more um, stores in the future. And these companies are funny because it's crazy that they do that in the apparel industry as well. They do with that net 30, that next 60. We, we, we'll get to you in three months. Like what? <laughs> yes, net 90s. And that's honestly um, why a lot, a lot of black businesses are not in retail. If you think about it, who has, because when it's, it's not like they're going to tell you ahead of time, hey, we plan on spending $2 million. You just get this purchase order and you're like, you're tallying the numbers up. You're like, this is $2 million. And it's like, I got to put this in production. And a lot of black businesses, they, they end up sinking because they don't know where to get that money from. And they don't realize how long the process truly takes. Because in your head, you're like, all right, I'll get paid it too much, but it really turns out to be sick how that messes up your cash flow and things like that. That's something that we're still learning. And I finally, like literally within like the last two, three months, I finally figured out the formula to make this work so that we don't get into debt um, in the future. So yeah, it's, this is a common uh, issue with all black brands getting into retail. And that's why we don't occupy a lot of retail space. It's what's so crazy is that this interview is going so well. You really answered the next question that I had. Cause I was going to ask you if, you know, if, if retail was viable and sustainable to the business, but I'm like, is it? If they paying you in five months from now, is it? But at the same time, I'll give you a scenario. Um, I had went to Atlanta last year and my line took a surprise me with tickets to the Atlanta Hawks HBCU game day. And I went there. I'm like, I don't live in Atlanta. I'm, I'm out of Norfolk, Virginia. And I, as I was there, you know, after the game, they had like a little party outside, kind of like a little yard fest, as you would say. And I seen so many people in my product. Like, I am like, I never, like, I don't know you. Like, literally, it felt like every other person had something of mine on. And my last was like, she made that. And they're like, oh, for real, I got some belt. So it's customers that I would never reach. Like, we know social media for social media, and they will not see yourself. So by having a physical presence, you're opening yourself up to a brand new customer that you might not get off of social media, and also a different age bracket, because older women are not on social media, but they're at that store, and then when they see your product, they're like, that's you? Yeah, I love this. So it does add that element of kind of marketing as well to, you know, release you to a population that you maybe never will reach through social. Hey, that makes a bunch of sense, and it makes sense for that strategy because that's promo. You're reaching a different audience, but also I will say that I have watched Shark Tank for years. A lot of the reason why I do <laughs> the reason why I do HBC, a lot of the reason why I do HBC polls is because I watch Shark Tank. And one thing that they always love, they ask you, "So, are you in retail?" Yes, we're in retail. We're in Bucks. We're in Dick's Sporting Goods. We're in Nordstrom. They're like, "Oh, they start writing it down." They they love if, <laughs> if you're in retail. They love if you have a patent pending, and they love if you make some money they're like i'll give you a deal that you gotta finish i'll give you a deal we're gonna do like, so i'm already knowing that when you said that they were like oh wait a minute this is something i want to invest in so let's talk about shark tank so what led you to wanting to pitch the sharks on shark tank man i honestly was like i thought that was another like i ain't gonna get this if i'm gonna be honest i was like it ain't gonna happen. But my PR, she told me last year, she's like, apply. I was like, I'm not applying. I'm not going. And then she told me again, she's like, apply. So I applied. And I was like, I got it. Like, it happened. So it wasn't like, oh, this is something that, like, I knew. I was just like, they probably not gonna wanna. Like, I was like, I don't have no patent. Like, you know, I watch Shark Tank as well. I'm like, it's an innovative product, but is it that innovative? I don't know. So it was literally like me throwing a dart in the air and it landed, literally. So like, what went into preparing? Because I know that when Dr. Bobby Peterson was on Howard alumna, and, you know, she got her big mouth toothbrush. She's with Barbara Corcoran and, you know, she bought into it and invested. She said she did extensive homework 
on the typical things that Shark Tank talks about, like the, the valuation and those different things. So how did you do the homework to get ready to pitch the Sharks? I watched Shark Tank. It was like I was binge watching. Like, okay, this is a question they can ask. This is a question they can ask. And then, like, I went online and typed in frequently, uh, frequently asked Shark Tank questions. I was like, I, I started memorizing. Like, they ask it this way. All right, this, this, this. So literally, I just like you know, you do your research, and when you try to go to a university, join an organization, it's the same exact thing. That's exactly what I did just to prepare because you never know what they're gonna ask you. Like, I just tried to every question they could ask. I tried to find the answer for ahead of time. See, this is perfect for HBCU alumni then because listen, we study anyway. Like you said, join an organization, <laughs> you study. You know, when it's final <laughs> exam time, you studying. I turn the paper in eleven fifty nine. You in there studying, and we didn't have chat GPT, so we can just type it in, and then they. Can you the information that we had to really be studying and cramming so i think that shark tech is really good for hbcu entrepreneurs so how was it with the pressurized environment of shark tank because what it seems like when we hear from people that have been on shark tank it seems for a lot of people very intimidating because you have to stand there they you have to stand there and wait while they're getting the cameras and stuff together and then you have that one take and you're going and you're pitching to the sharks and you're in front of millionaires and billionaires so for you how was it being in that environment it was being comfortable and knowing what my vision was when I went in I had this idea I'm like regardless of what happened I know that I prepared I know what I'm doing for the HBCU community so that was the two things that resonated in my head it doesn't matter what they say to you actually you know that you prepared and you know what this could possibly bring for the HBCU community so those are the major two things for me I was like you know I, I'm a Delta I, I did a probate I done done a lot of things I'm like this is just another Pass like the same way you prepare for everything. I played basketball. I I, I didn't practice the same way you practice for you know a game. You go over playbooks and things like that. So I felt like my whole entire life I have been practicing for this moment. I'm not a person like when it comes to like performing. I got that. Like now practice. I might be nervous when practicing, but when it's time to go, I I think I knock it out. I'm a I'm a performance person. And you got to perform when it's time. In the clutch, you got to perform. And that's that sports side of it. In the clutch, you got to go come through. <laughs> Look, either you're going to barbecue or mildew. So pick one. I'm a cook. I'm a cook every day. <laughs> Listen, you dropping game right now. You go barbecue or mildew. Now, like, hope you said that on the episode. They're going to be like, oh, that, I need to write that down. That's something new. You know what I'm saying? They'll be like, man, I never heard it before in my life. You know, some Damon, Damon probably would have heard it. They were like, oh, no, I feel it. I heard that back when I was five. You know what I mean? But, but like, listen, the Shark Tank effect. Like, I'm someone that is a student of media. And when you're on TV, that's a different level of exposure that comes to you and also your business. And we've seen it on singing shows like American Idol back in the day, but there's no really American Idol type of effect now because you have so many ways to get media and to consume media. But Shark Tank is one of those only venues in media where you're on there and your business instantly blows up. Like for example, I keep talking about Dr. Bobby Peterson, Howard alumna, she got a deal with Barbara Corcoran on Shark Tank. After the episode, 24 hours later, her big mouth toothbrush sold out. 24 hours after so we're talking to you before the episode airs so we so listen we getting exclusive here so like how are you prepared for that shark tank effect to happen for your business um for us if we offer 100 products i'm setting it up where we can't sell out of more than 25 percent. we're going to do pre-sales so it's never going to be a thing of I can't get it. Oh, you gonna get a pre-sale. You might have to wait a month or two, but we it's not going to be one of those things where I can't get it. I missed it. So that's how we're doing it internally. I already talked to my manufacturer saying, hey, you got some stuff that's coming. We don't know how big it's going to be, 
we're just letting you know, get ready because it's nothing that there's nothing for us. It's no way for us to prepare. We don't know how this is going to turn. We, we, you can look at stories. You can watch, you know, people's testimonials. So I think the biggest thing is preparing the best you can. And for me, it's like making it so that our products can't sell out. It's never going to be like majority of our products are not. A lot of stuff we make in house, everything else, our, our big items, we pre-selling, so it won't sell out. We ain't, we ain't leaving no money on the table. <laughs> now that's that's big and then like listen if if they like listen you know you got a pre-order but if you want to go to belt you know what I'm saying you go get that thing from belt you go get that thing for dick sporting goods yeah so yeah i mean that as well if they if they have in a store because our stuff i will say that our stuff it sells out in belt like we 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 doing good in belt the same thing with dick sporting goods a lot of our, our premium items they're not lasting on shelves too long so it, even with that they gotta come to us can't go there you gotta come to me <laughs> hey, that's true. So let me ask this thing. Let me ask this. So when that happens, because I know that when this episode airs, the Shark Tank effect is going to be amazing. It's going to really I take your yes, <laughs> you receive it because it's going to take your business to the next level because you're already at such a high level. But that level of exposure, then I know you're going to get that deal. I mean, I'm not going to do spoilers, but I know you're going to get that deal. But it's going to take the business to the next level. So I think that it's going to be a lot of folks that are going to go to Belts. They are going to go to the different retail stores. They are going to go to the website. But I have to ask this, like what happened i think i know the answer to this but what happens when they sell out in belt do they do another order and they keep doing orders if it sells out that they possibly i don't know the answer for that i would say that if they're saying that something is selling fast and they're hearing people like if it sell out i need people to tell people hey ask the belt or whatever store hey tell the manager hey i want that because at the end of the day that for the next year they're gonna be like we need to double what we had last time because the customers want it so I think, if anything, it might increase how much they, they carry for the next season if they see that people are requesting it. So I, that's the only thing I can think of. If I was, the, you know, the manager or the, the planning person at Belt, I'd be like, we got to order some more. It's too many people who want it. And they and they know that they can come here for it. So it's just on them now to plan. Man, if, if I was a manager at a store, they would have fired me because I would have had Tom's Mellon all over the store. And in the Nike, I would have been like, this is Yard Runners, buy it. You know what I'm saying? I would have been like, this is Yard Runners. You know what I'm saying? They would have fired me. They would have like, this man lying. You know what I'm saying? But I love it. I love it. So before you go, I want you to let us know how we can support you because I think that, you know, just outside of being on Shark Tank, I think that the community needs to support Tones of Melanin and businesses such as Tones of Melanin because like you like, like you said before in, in other venues, you want to be the Nike of this space and you want to really dominate the space and black folks have to support black folks. The HBCU community has to support members of the HBCU community in these endeavors. So outside of Shark Tank, what do you have coming up? How can we follow you on social media and how can we support you? Um, partnerships. We're trying to the same way Nike has partnership with different companies. If you're an executive of a company, you need somebody. We do customs. If you need some apparel, contact us. We can we can be there instead of you using, you know, XYZ athletics that's in your background. Like, come to us. That's one way. Um, Another way, sharing stuff. Even if you don't want to buy it, share it on your social so that somebody else can see it. A lot of times within the black community, we gatekeep like, uh-uh, oh, that's too fresh. I can't let them know where I got tell tell because the more, the more customers we have, we can really we can do our, my creativity. I can do more things now because I can like, oh, they bought that. Let me drop something else new. So telling people, um, black businesses, we don't get we don't get re reviews unless something is bad. If you have a good customer experience, whether it, if it's a comment on Instagram saying I got it and I loved it, if it's a, a review on Facebook shop like the shopping store, we need those Google's. We need all the negative, I me mean, all the positive ones because a lot of times we only get it when it's negative. So that helps affect, you know, Google pushing our stuff up higher because people are saying they love it and things like that, and it brings more eyes. If you see a, a company with 500 uh, five-star ratings, you're going to be like, oh, they're good. I, I'm more inclined to buy. 
So that um they can follow us um at Tones of Melanin, T-O-N-E-S-O-F-M-E-L-A-N-I-N on all social media networks, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, all of those. And like our future, we just we plan on establishing um the nonprofit side because we really want to help get getting these kids into school. So hopefully this will bring some eyes on us so that we can get some more, you know, corporate collabs so that we can start having events and things of that nature to really get our my biggest thing is I, my goal is within the next ten years, I wanna put a hundred black kids through HBCUs for free. So I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but that is my goal. I want to debt free. So I know that that adds an extra layer of cushioning to parents when they're telling their kids to go to these schools. So they can say, It's debt free. You can go. So that's 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 my big goal with Tones of Melanin is to get these kids in the school. That is powerful. And it's gonna happen. Like after that shark tank effect hit, you're gonna have so much money, you're gonna be like, Man, listen, a hundred, we're gonna do one thousand. You know what I mean? We're just gonna go Hopefully. up, go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully. It's gonna happen. But listen, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you for giving us thank the time. You. Shark Tank, May the nineteenth, eight PM Eastern, seven PM Central. If you do not catch it live, Watch it on Hulu, ABC's website, wherever you get Shark Tank from. Make sure to watch and show love and tweet because that's going to be super important. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell everybody to tune in. We want this, this is the season finale. We need all eyes. We, want, we need to show them that, hey, Black business, we got the support in the HBCU community. We need to be on TV more. So if they see them ratings going up, they're going to try to get more into the HBCU world. So even if you don't buy enough, tune in for them. We need them views, please. We're going to be tapped in for sure. And next week, I'm going to be doing a review and a recap of how things went. Y'all make sure to stay tuned for that. But Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. You're listening to HBCU Post Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the show on today. We once again want to thank Ashley Jones, CEO and creative director of Tones of Melanin for coming on today for this exclusive interview. She will be on Shark Tank on May the 19th at 8 p.m. 7 Central, pitching her business, Tones of Melanin. So make sure to check it out. But if you're listening to this after May the 19th, go to Hulu and check out the episode and support Tones of Melanin. Of course, you can follow HBCU Pulse on Instagram and YouTube at HBCU Pulse, Twitter and TikTok, the HBCU Pulse, and subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio wherever you get your podcast. You can donate to us at paypal.me slash HBCU Pulse or cash up us at dollar sign HBCU Pulse. But outside of that, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we'll see you on the other side and we'll talk to you next week. Like what you hear? Yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to HBCU HBCU Pulse Pulse Radio. Radio.